0: Andrew, I, I asked you to come and to share a few things with us here because of a conversation that we had. And, and, and I've been talking about spiritual warfare, this whole idea of you know putting on the armor of God. And for some, that might be scary to talk about Satan and demonic spirits and things like that. And are they real? And you might just go, I don't really believe it. Fine with me. I'm just trying to share with you what the Word of God has to say. And, and what I want to say is, our, when we when we go into this very realm of beginning to walk with the Lord, whether you're walking with Him or not, you are under attack. Okay, it doesn't really matter whether you claim to be a Christian or not. But when you do start moving into it, you begin to have eyes open to it. And our job is not to try and look for you know places where we can get into a fight with regard to this. It's just to live our life. And as you do, you need to be aware at times that there will be those opportunities that if you understand this, it will help you live your life. And so you shared a little bit uh, with me about that whole thing. And You've been hearing these teachings on Sundays and Wednesdays. What do they mean to you?
1: Well, I've so appreciated these teachings, Kevin. They've really been awesome for me. The biggest thing has been how much authority we have in Christ as believers of Christ, um, that we have the Holy Spirit in us and um, we have access to that voice, but how often do we tap into that voice of the Spirit? And you talked about the real battle and the battle being the truth and is what we believe. And do we believe the truth or do we believe lies and that the battleground is in our mind? And when we start believing lies, we give our mind over to Satan's power because really Satan aims to keep us from knowing the truth, from trusting the truth and from applying the truth. And I loved how you said we need to be like Jesus called Peter to be watchful and to pray.
0: Right. Well, so as you. You know, I know that you had an experience that, that you wish in some ways you were probably better equipped at that time. You want to tell us about that?
1: Yes. It was a time that I was um, anchoring a morning newscast for an NBC station, and um, I had really been growing with the Lord at this point in my life. Um, I was thankful that the opportunity arose that I was able to cover a number of Christian stories um, from the Left Behind series to The Passion of Christ. I even went on a mission trip to India for two weeks, covered a local church's mission there. And I treasured... Letters I was getting from viewers saying, thank you for using your gifts for his kingdom. It was also at this time that a blogger, an anonymous person, a stranger started blogging about me, Um, others as well, but um, took personal attacks at me, attacking, criticizing my appearance to the way I talked. He even came up with a nickname for me, McMoron McMaster. Hmm. Um, There were a number of names that he gave me. Um, These blogs continue daily for several months. And he even made a list at one point of everything he didn't like while I anchored the two-hour newscast. I went on maternity leave, and he wrote a whole blog post about how he wished that I would stay away from news and and not return, and that he wished unemployment on me. So what was happening to me at that time?
0: So how, how were you equipped to handle it at the time, and what was going on?
1: Well, everyone told me. Um, Not to read the posts. (laughs) Um, My boss, who said that he believed in me, my family and my friends, everyone told me not to believe them. But, of course, I read them because I wanted to know what he was saying about me. Other people had access to read them. And what happened is the blogger's words really started to change me. I think we can start feeling like we're crippled, like we have the flu. And I did feel ill all the time. I also really felt defeated. Um, The words started to change Uh, How I believed in myself. I started to doubt myself. I started to doubt my work and those words of negative words kept on going over in my head of what he thought of me and what was blogging about me while I was anchoring the newscast like a broken record. So then it started to affect my performance at work. So really was a peak time in my career. And I was really struggling with my performance at work and felt pretty defeated.
0: What would be different now?
1: Well, at that time, I never had labeled it as a spiritual attack. But now, looking back, I believe that it was. I was God had really opened the door for me to share about him at that time, and so I believe that it was. Um, But really, what I was really focused on at that time was stopping the situation. I wanted more than anything to know and investigators to find out who this anonymous blogger was so that I could meet this person and prove myself to him, that I am a nice person, Um, instead of really resting in God's truth. Resting in my identity in Christ, um, resting and knowing that we have authority in Christ. Yeah. So really, I instead allowed those yeah. Satan's lies yeah. to take over my mind. And since then, I have just I have been more aware and your teachings have made me even more aware of how important it is to put on the armor of God. And a couple of verses that just are really meaningful to me are take um, all your thoughts captive to Christ and whatever is true. Lovely, pure, right. Think on these things. And I think it's so easy just daily to start thinking lies. Maybe it's as simple as looking at Facebook and comparing yourself to someone else. Um, And I think when we're in that moment, we just have to stop. Realize that it is a lie and apply God's truth. And in Jesus' name, do that. And he can stop that destructive thinking with his truth that can lead to discouragement, doubt, and despair.
0: Well, you know, thanks, Andrew, so much. I was going to just say, I think what we often try and do, you know, our battle isn't against flesh and blood. It's not against other people. So it's not even so much going after to try and deal with that as much as it is recognizing and then beginning to go, okay. I can put up a boundary spiritually. I can do some things that can internally change who I am, change my response. And I have found again and again, you know, whenever we quit trying to change someone else or change something out here, when you begin to let God change things in here, it it brings about change out here. And there are times, yes, you need to put up boundaries and do those kind of things, but there's also, I think one of the things we often do is, is we forget the fact there is a God. He's given us his word, and there's ways that we can overcome the battle. So thank you for sharing that and, and, and letting us into your life a little bit. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I felt it was important that we kind of get a real-life story. This stuff is real and it happens and you may not even be aware of things like this. So I'm going to ask us at this point, I'm going to read this scripture and ask you to stand, would you? And as we stand, I, I just want to read this over you and take this in as if Paul is writing or the spirit of God is speaking to you. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, knowing all that, put on the armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Father, I pray. That we begin to dress ourselves in these truths that we've been talking about. And today, teach us about the importance of this sword, of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we're in the very last of these pieces of equipment before we talk about a few more things. And it is the sword of the Spirit, in which is the Word of God. And this is the most aggressive, offensive weapon God has given us. We have been looking at five pieces of equipment that are primarily protective. They're things that you have to put on. It's so essential. Outfitted with protective armor, we're made safe for the battle. Outfitted with the sword, you're made deadly. When you begin to understand what this sword is and you use it, you are a force to be reckoned with. With the sword, you actually move forward and you take ground, you hold ground and you advance the kingdom of God. Here's what you need to know. This isn't like you decide someday I'm going to enter into this. The moment you begin to understand and you ask Jesus to begin to start... um, taking your life and and forming it the way that He does and following Him with your heart and and inviting the Spirit of God to begin to move into it. When you start to grow, you become aware of these kind of battles. And what happens is just through your daily life, as you walk through life, you carry the presence of God, He begins to form you and as He forms you, you are taking ground. And I can promise you that Satan and the demonic realm does not want that at all. Would much rather have you become discouraged and defeated and looking in at yourself and looking in getting mad and getting angry and blaming others and trying to get you in war with each other and divided with other people. But that's not your battle. You need to know that you have been given all this equipment so you can understand who God has made you to be. And you can understand how much He loves you. And as you begin to wear that and and live in that, you then can take His sword. And then as you live your life, you're able to stand and hold your ground and to take ground and to move forward. We're told that when Joshua was was being transferred leadership from Moses to Joshua, God says to Joshua in chapter 1, verses 3-6, through He says, I will give you every place." where you set your foot as I promised Moses no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses so I will also be with you I will never leave you nor forsake you be strong and courageous we're told in Hebrews that the same message is given to us never will I leave you never will I forsake you so say with confidence the Lord is my helper I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? I will walk and everywhere I go, as I follow Jesus with my life and I begin to move into this, I will bring the presence of God. I will, in the sense of my own personal growth, impact the people around me and where I live and where I go and the kingdom of God will go there with you. But you need the sword. You need to be not just dressed with the protective Equipment. Because if we just looked at those five, it would all seem protective. They now have something that is offensive in the sense that it's aggressive. It actually allows for you to stand and take ground. And we're just look at two things this morning. The first is that you need to get to know your weapon. You see, you need to know exactly what it is when Paul says the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What is that? And then the second thing I want to talk about is how to skillfully use it. And I want to make sure that you just, it's a simple thing. You kind of go, well, I want to know what what are the points. Know your weapon, use your weapon. There you go. Okay? And we're just talking about three things under this idea of knowing your weapon. I was um, with some guy, friends of mine. I, every year about five of us get together. I went to college. And, and one of the guys often plans events. We go out to San Francisco usually. And he, he does different things. We did surfing one year. Well, one year we get there and he goes, hey, guess, guys, we're going to go to a gun range and shoot guns wow i'd done that once in my life he said but before we go we got to go to this place and and they're going to they're going to take a little bit of time to show us what the weapon i didn't know it'd be two to three hours i ended up you guys getting this little certificate i have been trained in the bay area firearms training group now yes not only that i ended up winning the whole thing Got this T-shirt. It was really cool. And then I found out later that in, my, in the German Prussian Army, I had some lineage that were sharpshooters, and it was in the blood. <laughs> but you know what's so funny about that thing? We sit in there, and this guy, Scotty, who's training us, was just kind of a bizarre character, when he found out three of the five of us were pastors, he goes, this is great. You, of all people, need to know how to use a gun. <laughs> I'm going, right? He goes, you, have you heard of all the reports of, of pastors getting shot? And he's just, you know, and I thought this is crazy. Anyway, two to three hours we just sat around looking at guns and understanding of the ammo, everything, before we could actually shoot it, which is a, probably a wise thing, right? Where to point it, when to point it, and all those things. Anyway, it's important we know this weapon. Spiritually, it is important that you know this weapon. You need to know what is the sword when he says, what is the sword? So what is the physical thing he's talking about in that day? And and then why does Paul caught the sword of the spirit? And then why did he add this little appositional phrase, which is the word of God? So let's just begin by what is a sword. And I'm just gonna, I am just going to I want to run through this quickly because I'm not going to get to the last part, which I think I really need to. But there are a number of different swords that were in Roman history, and they, they varied just like in our own world. You know, ammunition and, and, and weaponry changes as you progress. And, and so one of the most common swords at one point was called the gladius. It was this heavy, broad, long-bladed sword. And sometimes they said it was so heavy you'd have to use two hands. It had only one edge that was sharp. It was a bit more cumbersome and awkward to use so that when the Roman soldiers would take that shield, sometimes when they would actually march, they had these long spears, javelin kind of things they'd use, but a lot of times when they get close, they would use this gladius in order to thrust. That's how they would kill. It was not really a striking instrument, although you would strike to try and get someone off balance, but you usually used it to thrust. It's from the word gladius that we get the common word gladiator. It gives you just a little the derivation of that. And, and they believe that at a certain time in a battle in Carthage, I think it was around 208 B.C. before Christ, that they were beat by the by those in Carthage, and the Carthaginian sword that they used was so effective that they began to start using that sword. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But there's also another kind of sword. It's just a little one. It's just a little dagger. It's one that you could hide. I remember I was in English lit class, I had this famous line in the Julius Caesar play. It was, E 2 Brute? Anybody know this? Then fall, Caesar. That was my big line. I was so proud to say that. But anyway, I thought I could throw it in here. Anyway, um, it was the little dagger that he used. And then there's a more long, slender kind of sword that those who would be on horses, if they had it in the cavalry, would use. It weren't the little whippy ones. They were just a little longer and slender, and they could use them. They were much easier to wield. But then there was a sword, very common in Paul's day, Called the Makaira. It's just sword, someone asked me how you spell it, M-A-X-A-I-R-A. And this Makaira sword was a brutal weapon. It was about a foot to 19 inches long. Varied according to the size you wanted. It was a double-edged sword, or as the actual word is double mouthed in Greek. It, it meant that on both sides it was incredibly razor sharp. Some actually believe it was this kind of sword. and You can see different ones that they, they found it historically that, that were probably the ones that the Carthaginians, you know, that sword that they used, which you could take it and you could, you could remove a person's head from their shoulders with good training. And yet many of them were kind of this tip that went up so that when you would thrust, you could turn and it would just completely disembowel and, and cause mortal wound. This was a deadly weapon. Strong's Greek lexicon says it was a slaughter knife, an instrument for exacting retribution. 26 times in the New Testament, this word, machaira is used. Some of the passage you may recall is Hebrews 4.12, when it says the word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged, razor-sharp sword. Being able to cut between bone and marrow, that idea. Luke 21.24, they Fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive. Another passage of scripture if you've had some training or been in the church at some point, John eighteen, ten and eleven says Peter, who had a Macaria sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his ear. It was so sharp. The sword was smaller, but when wielded was a killing machine. One way to look at it is you could say the gladius being this big one was like a rifle, you know. And then you could look at the small little dagger as kind of that thing you pulled in your pocket, that little kind of gun, what would you call it? Uh, yeah, see, everyone says Derringer, not. It's It's a pocket pistol. Anyway, anyway, it's a Derringer, yeah. Or you could hold a semi-automatic handgun, which is kind of what the Macario was. It was a deadly gun. Sword. Now, Paul says it's the sword of the spirit. So why does he say of the spirit? What's the necessary reason for saying that? You see, the idea of of the spirit could mean it's an adjective. So it's a spiritual kind of sword. But when you think about it being a spiritual kind of sword, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And and, and you go through Scripture because all these pieces of equipment are, are kind of in its physical form Roman armor or protective gear that were being used in a spiritual sense. So why all of a sudden now does he have to say it's a spiritual thing? But there's also another way to to translate that of the spirit, which is a lot of commentators will agree with. And it's it's what's called a, 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 a genitive of origin. And it means basically it is the sword from the spirit given by the spirit. And that's an important thing to understand. So it's a sword that is given by the Spirit that puts it into your mind and into your heart or into your hand, so to speak, at an appropriate moment. It's almost as if you understand that as you walk in life, you as you have invited the Holy Spirit, if you've asked the Holy Spirit to control you and to fill you and to be a part of you and you walk your day and you begin your day and say, Jesus, I want to follow you with all my heart and Spirit of God, I want you to live fully inside of me. I invite you to do this. It's then as you walk with him, he has the ability to place in your heart, in your hand, in your mind at that moment, the sword. In the heat of battle, when you need to take and stand and hold your ground. Or to move forward for the kingdom. There's examples in Scripture that gives you this Matthew ten, sixteen through 20. Jesus sends out the twelve with instructions, and at one point he says this, this. kind of backs this whole thing up. He says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Be on your guard when they arrest you. Do not worry about what to say or how to say it at the time you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, catch this, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Another time, right near the crucifixion, as Jesus is giving out all these instructions, he wants to make sure he has them all instructed well. He talks about abiding, being in the the rootedness of of Christ. And then at a certain point, he says, now I want you to know the consular. And we usually think about a therapeutic kind of consular. The consular here is more like the advocate. It's kind of like in a court of law when he says, consular, would you come to the bench? He's talking about this one who really has the ability with a word to protect you and to keep you... Um, safe, to empower you for whatever it is that you need to be empowered for. And he says this advocate, counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you, will bring to you out of everything I've said to you. The life of Jesus was filled with how the Spirit of God was given to him. You know, Jesus, we get this idea that he was both God and man, that he really, we don't give the the credence to the fact that he gave up all the power and all those things, he he gave them to the Father, didn't... grasped them, but he lived as a human being, both God and man, and he was reliant fully on the Holy Spirit so that when people came to him and they tried to stump him, it was stump Jesus kind of thing. We're going to try and trip him up. And they would come to him. They'd say things like, you know, who should we pay taxes to Caesar or God? What school of thought do you really believe is the right one on divorce? Um, They would come to him and they would ask them questions about about whose authority you think it is. Well, how many wives do you have at the resurrection? Is there really a resurrection? That kind of thing. And then Jesus would always have the Word at the right moment, and He would use the sword, and it would end the argument. And finally it says in Matthew, near the end of Matthew, it says that no one could say a word in reply to Jesus, and from that day on, no one dared to ask Him any more questions. Because He had this incredible ability to take the sword that the Spirit gave Him and to cut through it. And advance the kingdom of God. So we take the sword of spirit, which he gives us, and then he adds this phrase, which is the word of God. Now, before you get too quickly along the lines thinking, "Oh yeah, the word of God, that means you take the Bible. You know how we all say, did you bring your sword? Or, you know, you use like, use the sword. The Bible. This is really a bunch of swords. He doesn't use the word logos, which is the traditional idea of what it means when you were to use the word for the Bible. He doesn't use that word. Like in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, the logos. And then he has other places where he talks about the scripture. He uses a word called rhema. And if you were to spell it and transliterating it from the Greek, it's R-H-E-M-A, rhema. Might be a good thing to put in the rhema word of God. It's the idea that it's the utterance, it's God's word coming to you in your heart, in the moment, specifically for a purpose, for that reason, that it's a, it's a sense of a quickened word, it's an empowered word for that moment, in that place, in that battle. Does that get the, do you get that? So, so you have the sword, which is this deadly killing weapon, given by the Spirit, the Rama Word of God. Now there's two things I want to say about that. It's very interesting. He says the Word and the Spirit. There's this incredible sense of balance. Because if you have the Word alone, if you only have, if you were to take the Lagos Word and you have only that alone, what you usually end up with is a bunch of judgmental, legalistic, what I call kind of a academic, dead kind of orthodoxy, that's the kind of place a church with just the Word goes. But if you take a group who just say, we just follow the Spirit, and and then they don't pay attention to the Word, then you get people who are fanatical, who end up sometimes into heresy and other things. And so he's very careful to point out that it is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word, the rhema Word. And here's the second thing to understand. The rhema Word of God is always going to be consistent with the Lagos Word of God. The Spirit of God who wrote the Word through the the apostles and others throughout history is not going to contradict Himself when He comes into your heart. Does that make sense? So there's this incredible balance that we as a body are going to live in. We're going to call completely on understanding the Word of God with the Spirit of God And we're going to recognize as well that as we walk in the spirit of God and keep in step with him, that he will give us his word, the rhema word of God, that will be able to be used to take ground for the kingdom. And so he brings these things together. And he basically says, I want you to understand your weapon. Now, here's the problem. People can get a lot of knowledge, and I could talk about this, and we have people who go to classes. You can be academic about it, but if you don't know how to use it, what good is it? I was um, about 24 years of of age back in Fox Lake, Illinois, when I was a pastor going to seminary. I was pastoring his church going to seminary at the same time, and I just got done speaking that morning, went to the gas station to fill up my car, and there was a lady, she was a young lady who was about 50 and um really young and uh and she you know it reminds me just about 12 years ago i think i was about 24 but anyway um (laughs) wait a second (laughs) anyway so here she is and she's fumbling to try and get the you know the thing into the gas tank and i'm kind of watching i'm not sure and she got it and she was got done with that and then she starts to take out her checkbook and and I see her just hardly not knowing what to do. She looks confused. I just came up to her. I said, Can I help you? And she started to cry. I said, I lost my husband about three, four weeks ago, and I don't even know how to write a check. Here she has this thing. She doesn't even know how to use it. And I just thought to myself, I think so often the church, we know a whole lot of stuff about the weapon, we even know a lot about these different things. But do we practically know how to use these things for God's kingdom? And so I want to talk just briefly about using this weapon and doing it skillfully. And there's just four things and I'm not going to have enough time to get into all this. But one is you need to know God's word. You need to know all these. God uses most often these words from his word of God. Now, there's times he also uses other things. We have a ministry that I'm really excited about called Gateway Ministry, where we help people hear the spirit of God, because once you get to know the word, you then have to hear the word. You need to hear the voice of God in the midst of the battle. So the first step is knowing so that you can be able to hear. So that when you begin to, be able to hear, you can speak it. And then you've got to live it. You get those four things? You've got to know it so that you're in a place you can hear the Spirit. And when you begin to hear the Spirit and the voice of God, you'll be able to speak that out. And as you speak it out, sometimes you have to speak it out and walk it out. You have to live it out. That's how you use the weapon of the Spirit that gives you the sword, the that, that weapon of the sword that the Spirit gives you. Now, knowing the Word of God, I just want to say this. If you are young in your faith, you're going, boy, I just... I'm just starting to follow Jesus. I don't even know this word much. Guess what? God is so gracious. He's like a father. Those of you who brought little Lincoln here to be dedicated, you don't expect him to feed himself and do those things. That's all part of his growth. And, and, and when you watch a child, you want to make sure they grow. If you are young in your faith, here's the thing. It's an opportunity to grow. God will be with you. He'll protect you. He'll give you even the words you need because he's a gracious father to protect you through that time. But at a certain point, he's calling you every one you to say at a certain point, I need to know God's word. I need to grow up because the whole hope of raising Lincoln is that someday you will have outfitted him enough that he'll have the character actually at a certain point to live his life. Church, we have to get to the point where we know God's word, not just in our head, but we know it so we can live it and use it and really make a difference in the lives of people around us. I, I, I just feel this deeply right now. I'm Calling us, I believe the Spirit of God is calling us to be a force in the world around us. Not in a judgmental way, but in a way where the Word of God so fully changes and transforms us that as we're transformed, the world around us changes. So you need to know the Word, you need to hear the Word. So knowing the Word, there's all kinds of opportunities to begin to get to know God's Word. Time to take time just to read God's Word or to find um, some groups in a small group. Maybe it just means coming on Sunday mornings. You're maybe at a point where all you need to do is start hearing the Word preached. You need to know what your next step is. We talk often in our church about what's your next step to know, follow and become like Jesus. What is it? Talk to someone, understand it so that you can begin to know the word. Then get into a place where you can hear the word. Begin to move to a place and you may have never done this before. You may have accepted Christ, but you may have never said, Jesus, I so fully want to follow You that I also want to honor this third person who is just as important in the Trinity. It's not Father, Son, and Holy Bible. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Spirit of God, I want You to fill me. I invite You to come into my life and to take control and to move through me and to live through me and to do that on a daily basis so that you can be close enough to begin to hear the voice of God and to walk in it. The other, just a simple way to explain this is a couple Sundays ago, I came up here. And it was a Sunday in peace, and I was supposed to transition the worship into an announcement time. I got up here. I could hardly do it. I was kind of what I call undone because of what had just happened. I had been in, 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 in the pew just like you sit and I'd been worshiping, but what happened before that, I was struggling with something that had happened that I was wrestling with, and I just had a hard time entering into it. And then I just finally decided, and I encourage you, you know, there's all kinds of reasons not to worship. I don't like the music. I don't like this. This isn't, or I've got this going on in my life. I'm thinking about this. I want to tell you, I remember at a certain point I just said, God, I'm going to forget it. I'm just going to put my heart into worship. And I just expressed myself in worship, began to do so, and the Spirit of God spoke to me like that. And it was powerful. And I walked up here and I was supposed to do something. But it was the word I needed that God gave me for that situation. And now I had to live it out. But I wouldn't have heard it. And it's like John in Revelation was in the Spirit. Does that mean he wasn't? Yeah, There's time you can refuse to give yourself to what the Spirit's doing. We as a church could refuse, as a whole body, to refuse to give ourselves to what the Spirit is doing. Staying in our head, our tradition, whatever we think it is, but the Spirit of God is here right now saying, follow me, invite me into all of this. And maybe saying to you particularly, invite me into your life. So that I can give you this sword. So here's the, the thing that you need to know. Is, is, is knowing the Bible is like carrying the ammunition. And, and then being able to, um, to hear the Spirit of God for Him to place in your hand is like is putting the ammo in the gun, so to speak. They're changing the analogy a little bit. Now you've got to speak it. Now I've got to tell you, Satan and demonic spirits do not read your thoughts. There's something powerful about saying out loud what you've heard. It does something to you, and it does something in the realm of the Spirit when it comes to times of battle. Now, I want to share with you that it doesn't, it doesn't require that you have to have a, a certain kind of degree or be in the Lord for a long time to be able to do this. My, uh, my six-year-old daughter, I remember a time in my life, it was, it was probably about 19 years ago, 20 years ago, and she was about six, seven years of age. I think she was around first grade, somewhere in there. And I had been just beginning to understand the realm of the spirit and things of the spirit. And I was in this place where I was meeting with some people that were what I call demonized. The, the word of God never, it, the word demon possession isn't what is in the Greek. The word is demonized and there's degrees of it. And I was speaking on this in these classes. We'll do these classes again if you don't get a chance because I think this is important stuff. But this, I was meeting with a person who was severely demonized at this point. And, and at that time, my daughter... Began to have some of these, these really bad dreams. And it was on a Tuesday night, and my daughter came into our room. It was about 1 or 2 in the morning. And she said, I, I had this horrible dream. And, you know, with these little eyes crying, terribly frightened. She came in bed and slept with us that night. The next night, we put her to bed around 1 or 2. Same time of the night, she climbs into bed with us, and, and she's frightened again. She has another one of these dreams. And so... The next few nights, we decided let's not fight it. Let's just bring her in a room. We had a couch in our room, so we let her sleep on the couch for the next few nights. And then I start feeling like a bad dad. You know, I gotta, you know, I can't have this kid in our room all the time. So I started praying about it. God, what am I supposed to do? And so I decided, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and I don't want to be too soft. And so I, I went ahead and and I said, let's go. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you back in bed tonight, Kenzie but I, I as i'm praying i'm saying, i said let's just pray about this I, I go to pray with her i see out of the corner of my eye this little dream catcher you know these little dreams that that she had made in her class probably a couple months before and I, I i mean i'd seen it before but for some reason it was like the spirit said grab it and i grabbed it. and i said kenzie and also the thought came And i said kenzie could this thing be catching bad dreams maybe she goes maybe and i said do you mind if i put it in the garage you know, and this, I usually do this. I put it on top of the garbage before I throw it out before it goes into the garbage. And I said, I'm going to put it there tonight, and, and I'll pray for you. And she prayed for her, and she went ahead, and she slept through the night. And um, she came down the next morning, and I said, Kenzie, how did you sleep? And she said, great. And without missing a beat, her next words were, Dad, throw that thing out. I said, Okay. Well, that was a Monday morning because it was Sunday night and Monday morning. Monday morning, we had staff meeting with our staff, and I shared with the staff I'd been sharing about the fact that you know these dreams, and I shared with the staff that morning that um, what had happened, and they went, "Oh, that's cool. She slept through the night, and I'm hoping that this will, you know, work." and i was meeting later that morning a severely demonized person and i went meet i met with i asked one of our staff members to come in as our children's ministry pastor she was like in her early 50s late 40s and she was with me when i met with this person and as we're meeting about 15 minutes into it out of this person's voice comes this kind of guttural sound you found it and i just went like i was dumb i didn't know what to i just like and I look over at the staff person, and she was white. And almost reflexively, I looked at, before I could even say anything, the next thing that person, that person said, same kind of voice, you found the channel causing the night terrors. Well, I'm just going to. And taken back, my first words that I hardly thought were, yes, God is so good. He loves us so much. He promises to protect us from all evil. I'm even, it feels funny even sharing that with you because it feels so bizarre, but it was so true. I shared with my daughter that I didn't share that this morning. And then it was a few months later, maybe a month later, my, my daughter started having nightmares again. And let me just say, I don't think every dream catcher, I don't think every nightmare. This is stuff of discernment. This is what the spirit gives us discernment and others to pray for and be in community with. But she started having these nightmares again, and I immediately prayed about it. And the impression God placed on my spirit at that time, as I was reading his word and journaling and prayer, because that's how I think the spirit speaks to us. He basically said to me, teach her to take authority. You know, now you've spoken it out. Now teach her how to speak it out herself and to live in it. I thought, okay. So I said, Kenzie, that night as I went to go to put her to bed, I said, Kenzie, are you afraid of having dreams? And she looked at me with these big eyes and said, yes. And I said, I want to try something. Because if these could be, if they're really bad spirits, since they are, you have the ability to say no to them. They have no right to harass you. Jesus has given you authority because you've asked him into your heart. You can speak with authority. So I said, let me just tell you a story how I can help you understand it. I said, Kenzie, when I was a a boy and and, and as younger and my brother two years older, we would fight. We'd be down at the bottom of the stairs fighting away in the family room. And my sister was five years younger, would stand at the top of the stairs and she'd go like this. Boys, cut it out. Someone's going to get hurt. And we just look at her like you just did there and laugh like big deal and we keep fighting and then she'd run off crying to mom and we'd hear her talking to mom and we'd hear a bunch of things she'd come back out and then she'd go and this only probably would have to happen once she'd go boys mom said cut it out that changed the game because we knew there was authority behind her and i just said kenzie tonight If you have a bad dream, you wake up. I just want you to say, Jesus says, I'm God's child. Leave now. Jesus says, go. You cannot stay here. Honest truth. It happened. She did it. She fell back to sleep. She got up in the morning. She looked at me smiling. She was so impressed. Because of the authority that she had. By being able to take the Word of God that says... Look, at you can't harass my child. Jesus says, go. I don't care if you're feeling and you have obsessive thoughts of anxiety. You have the power and authority to say in the name of Jesus, calling the word of God. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving, bringing those requests to God. I will live in the peace of God. You may be a person that struggles in the morning and you get up in the morning and it just feels like it's another cold day. Anybody feel that way? And you go, oh, how rotten is my car going to start again? This is the day the Lord has made. And guess what? I, in the authority of Jesus, am going to choose to rejoice and be glad. I'm going to smile throughout this day because my God is overseeing it. Folks, this is what we're called to live in. And when you think about it, that's what the truth of God is all about in here. And as you get to know the truth of God and you begin to understand that you have the spirit of God in those special moments, as you pray, God will place in your hand his word and his word like a sword is a deadly weapon and you will move forward in Christ. Amen. So we're just going to sing as a church, as a statement of faith, as a body, spirit of God fall upon us afresh in a new way and use us because we want the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God in the hands of our body, in the hands of our people. And we are here to make a difference in this life, in this community and throughout the world. Let's stand together and pray.